Welcome to Buy My Own Lights podcast. My name is Rachel, and I am the creator and host of this ultimate vulnerability project. I know it's cliche to say, but I truly am so glad you're here. This podcast started as a place to reflect on the light and adversity throughout my life. I believe that the world needs all kinds of kinds, and we should live a life according to our own lights with a heavy emphasis on light. I want more light in the world, and sometimes when life happens, it's hard to see the light in it. But if you look, you will find it. I'm back. So excited to be back and recording after the break that we took. I just needed some time to kind of focus on things at home and at work, and it was enough to keep me pretty busy for a while, and I've missed you so much. I missed recording, I missed writing, uh, but it was such a needed break to kind of step aside and just limit some of the commitments that I've had, because you kind of get to a point where you feel a little overwhelmed. And I say you, but really I mean me. But I think you can relate to that feeling when you are stressed and overwhelmed. And sometimes it's completely okay to sit back and say no a little bit more often, just until you can kind of get that that reset and that refresh. But I'm really excited about today's episode. It is a little bit more personal in a way that I'm not used to sharing completely with you all. So uh, hopefully you can relate to it and hopefully you can derive some meaning for your life and apply it to your life as well. But enjoy the episode and I'm so glad to be back. God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It seems lately that those words are being repeated throughout my life as a reminder to calm the hell down. Some of you may recognize those words and recall it as the serenity prayer. It's possible you've heard it through church, a friend, or while working one of the many 12-step programs that are out there. Those words have been fused together for 89 years, and it makes sense that it has so much sticking power. We crave control, yet we seem to focus heavily and let the things that we cannot control destroy us emotionally and spiritually. I remember the first time I heard those words, it had a profound impact on me, as if like a floodlight went off in my soul telling me that I will never be able to control everything, and that peace is found in knowing what is controllable and what isn't. The sad thing is, I'm human, just like you, so the impact fades when I'm not intentionally bringing it forward. Eventually, over time, when I have lost sight of what is within my control and what is not, 
I will find myself immersed in my frustrations, my discontent, and act out in anger. It can be quite ironic throwing a hissy fit over something that I have no control of as if I'm a toddler reaching desperately for something that isn't mine in an attempt to make it mine with no regard to the fact that it isn't mine. The difference between the toddler and myself is the toddler reaches for an object that it desires usually from a place of joy, necessity, or curiosity. With me, I seem to reach for control, which almost never brings me joy. It is not something that I actually need, and it doesn't satiate my curiosity. As a matter of fact, when I struggle to take control that had never belonged to me, all it does is suppress and redirect me away from the things that I do have control of, and it gives those things a place to fester and grow to an uncontrollable measure. During my break these last few weeks, I've found myself engulfed in worry over the things I can't control. I have been in a state of frustration over the actions of others, the systems in place I'm expected to work within, and planning for a future that is completely unknown. Ironically, the time I took off to relax and recoup was spent filling my space with all the things I can do absolutely nothing about. Sure, there are things that I can do to alleviate some of the stress and drama, but that's not what I spent my time on. Instead, I was drawn to the things I couldn't control and let my focus sit there for far too long. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Let's face it. Our world seems like it has entered some alternative dimension and gone absolutely batshit crazy. Yes, many of you have been thriving in this new state of life, and I'm so encouraged by that. To be honest, I would be lying if I said I haven't reaped some real benefits this last year. But of course, it takes a real conscious effort for me to start with that thought instead of the initial thought of the things I have lost or my emotional downward spiral from a lack of social interaction and randomly hugging strangers. I've basically spent this last year frustrated with politics, social issues, virus details, and a lack of toilet paper, all of which I cannot control. Yes, I voted. Yes, I have reflected on my contributions to any social issues. Yes, I have followed CDC guidelines. And yes, I have managed to spare a square in my bathroom and ration my toilet paper to be sure it lasted. But I still find myself reacting to the things I had no authority over. So the only thing to do is beg for serenity. Friction comes from rubbing up against the things that have no intention of budging out of the way. Anyone who doesn't have a thigh gap knows this. So stop rubbing up against it. The acceptance comes from the adaptation to the things outside of our control. It is about seeing things for what they are and deciding to live within those confines. Life isn't about picking and choosing only the things that bring us joy. Most of life is actually lived in the adversity of the things that challenge us. We're conditioned somehow to feel that adversity's only purpose is to hurt us, therefore we act as if it is. But that's not the case. Adversity doesn't hurt us, it serves us. I know logically you already know this, but by the time your head and your heart link up, 
There was a loss in translation and you lose sight of that and your focus becomes on the hurt and the pain instead of the service. You've heard me share stories from my childhood before, so I'm not going to go ahead and rehash them here again today, but I will say my childhood was hard and I encountered a lot of adversity. My survival was completely dependent on how I let the adversity serve me and to accept the things that I couldn't control. I couldn't control the fact that I had family that was deeply in the throes of drug and alcohol addiction. I could not control whether we had enough money to go grocery shopping this week, and I couldn't control the devastating things that laid in wait for me down the road. I was fortunate enough to learn that early on, and I had a choice to make. Accept it for what it is, or fight against it in a desperate attempt to play God and fix what I judged as wrong. My childhood made me feel so small, so I knew I wasn't God. Therefore, really, the only choice was to accept it. Don't get it twisted, though. This doesn't mean I just laid down to take all the abuse or all the heartbreak. All it meant was I saw my world for what it is and began to adapt instead of demand the world adapt to me. The courage to change the things I can. Once you've found serenity and acceptance, the fog begins to roll out and you can see what you have control of. Sure, I can't change the fact that a global pandemic consumed our world for the last 14 months, but what I can control is when I accept it and decide how to live within it. I now have the control to say how I live my life within these new rules, or I can fight against the rules. But fighting doesn't take courage. Do you think a toddler throwing a hissy fit is courage? Do you think a 35-year-old throwing a hissy fit is courage? I don't either. What takes courage is to be uncomfortable and do something new. Adjust, thrive in adversity. So I can't control the fact that I basically have to wear a mask everywhere I go now, but I can have the courage to wear one anyway in discomfort because I choose life. I don't want to stay sheltered and let my loneliness destroy me, so I'll be courageous enough to be mad and uncomfortable, so I have a shot at living with these new rules. Traveling back in time now. I eventually accepted that addiction is in my family and it's in my blood. Once I stopped crying out, woe is me, over the family dysfunctions I was born into, I was able to see that I had control over how I interacted with my genetics. I knew that my genetics were outside of my control, and it was a game of Russian roulette if I decided to pick up an illicit drug and just try it once. Because once may not have been just once. It could have impacted the entire course of my life. It's in my blood to evade reality and fall into the fiction of being high, so I couldn't even tempt it. But making that decision wasn't where I needed courage. I had to plead for courage regularly. Back in the late 90s, it seemed like drugs and alcohol was freakishly easy to get in the hands of young teenagers. The first time I was tempted with pot, I was 12 years old, and it was from a boy I liked. It actually didn't take courage to say no that first time because it was late and I had to go home. I would frequently use this excuse to evade the temptation efforts, Until one day, when I didn't. One late night at a skate park, I smoked pot for the first time with a boy I liked. I didn't actually enjoy it at all. 
The hive made me feel like Rachel no longer existed, and I was just a shell of her that couldn't stop coughing. I remember the walk home. I felt ashamed and also very panicked that I was going to get caught. The second time I was tempted to smoke, I didn't even bother evading it. I just succumbed to it because now I would look like a sissy if I declined. This happened a few more times, and each time I felt like I was pandering to those I wanted to see me for me, which is ironic because when I was high, I never felt like me. The courage I needed wasn't to say no. The courage I needed was to be fearless in who I am. I knew I didn't like it. I knew the risk was great, but I killed that side of me to be someone I thought others wanted me to be. It took many years of going in and out of being courageous, but I finally came to a spot in my life that said, I am who I am, and I have the courage to be unliked or judged or disposed of by those only interested in my actions and not myself. All too often, we stop at what we think is courage to say no to others. But sometimes, it means saying no to ourselves. No, you do not need them to like you. And no, you do not need their approval. And you especially do not need to be like them to be loved. The courage to change the things you can comes from knowing what is actually in your control. I cannot control others. I cannot control whether they will ever offer me drugs again or take advantage of me. But I can control how I respond and how I heal from the things outside of my control. Yes. I needed to say no to the temptations that triggered my reptilian brain, but I needed to have the courage to change why I said yes in the first place, and the wisdom to know the difference. Wisdom is so much more than just having knowledge or discernment. It implies that one can judge or discern properly as to what is right or true. This is where the prayer gets tricky for me. Because the wisdom we have is typically based off of shared experiences or a shared understanding of what is right and wrong. But why and how? As a society, we pass judgment upon others to determine whether their actions were right or just, but it stems from our social norms and laws that humans have set in place. Now, I will never debate here violence or murder, so just know I'm not commenting on this with any of that in mind. That is far too long of an episode, and it requires much more than I'm willing to offer in this setting. But let's go back to my childhood for a second. It seems wrong that those I love were so gravely addicted to substances and still brought little humans into this world, but was it really? For their struggle and their fight has served my life greatly, and I was able to be better for it. If I were to say their life choices were not right, I don't know who I would be today. That is also the challenge of wisdom. We also use it to judge the world and our circumstances, but rarely ever ourselves. This line of the prayer only works when you're willing to hear what is true and right for you with complete abandon of what is true and right for others. My family's addiction was none of my business. I needed wisdom to know how I survive how I navigate those rough waters, and how I set a life course that is right for my purpose. And that's all precisely why I think this is the most important and impactful line in this prayer. 
We don't speak it in hopes for conscious wisdom from a book. We ask it in reverence of God's wisdom to be shined onto us. We ask it because we know we do not have it. We know that we are not the judge of what is right and true, so we beg for a brief flash of light to guide us through the challenges. The wisdom you must have when asking for wisdom is that you don't have any. 89 years, that prayer has been stitched together and repeated by many, and it all started with a confession that life is hard and all we want is peace, courage, and wisdom that cannot be provided by us alone. If you've been enjoying the podcast, be sure to give us a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, all you have to do is go to buymyownlights.com. Hey, if you liked this episode, be sure to leave a comment or share it with a friend. We're still a very young podcast, so your support and encouragement doesn't go unnoticed. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find additional content on our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash by my own lights or our website at by my own lights.com. <laughs>